insight and awareness spiritual explorer, soul intuitive, emotional and spiritual mentor and award-winning author, Lorraine Nylon. Welcome to Insight and Awareness Spiritual Explorer podcast. I'm Lorraine Nylon and I'm a soul intuitive and emotional and spiritual mentor. And what I'm looking for is to understand the healing process. So none of us escape our lives without having any form of trauma, whether it's childhood trauma, relationship trauma, or the disappointment of life not working the way we expected. So how do we deal with our emotions? and build emotional resilience, and nurture our spiritual growth. Today we've got Black Crow walking, just call her Crow, and she's a professional artist, writer, poet, marriage celebrant, and psychic healer. And I'm going to get you to tell our guests where you've been and what kind of life experience you bring to this podcast. Sure. Well, um, I married a Lakota ghost horse Indian after having lived with four different tribes in America. I married uh, a man that was a Lakota who lived in the Smoky Mountains and we lived primitively, although we lived in a house, we lived very primitively because we wore skins, we tanned our own hides and we ate out of the forest every day and everything that we used was made by us so I made myself a gourd bowl and I made a string bag to put the bowl in and I'd take my bowl every day and pick our food from the forest so I'm very adverse in the types of weeds that you can eat the mushrooms you can eat the berries you can eat and and uh, it was such a wonderful lifestyle so connected with nature and for me nature is divinity it's it's an expression of divinity so living with that's a beautiful way to put it so you grew up in Australia yes I did. and then what's what sort of age was it that you went over to USA well, my kids grew up, so <laughs> it was time to have adventures and I'd always wanted to have a wildly adventurous life. So uh, teaching psychic healing um, and doing psychic healing workshops all over the world uh, took me to many different places and, and many different experiences. And sometimes I would just go travelling and suddenly people wanted a workshop. So uh, I went to Sedona in the in the desert uh, of Arizona and uh, suddenly there was people. I don't know if you've ever been to Sedona, but Sedona is, has, has, it has 240 art galleries. Um, <laughs> so And it, it, it attracts healers. Uh, and so there's lots and lots of healing places and and just by going to the helicopter pad to get myself a, a ride down into the Grand Canyon where I was going to live with the Havasupais, the, the helicopter man wanted me to run a workshop at his house before I went down. So I actually got a free ride down into the canyon and uh, got to got to run a workshop. So that sort of thing happened to me all over the place. And I've oh, always been I, I was, was going to say I love those kind of stories because that means it's in the flow like you know they meant to be and it just, the synchronicity just works so mm. for you what sort of process do you do for healing so if we're if we're looking at how do we gain emotional resilience what sort of things did you learn from your life experiences and what kind of healing have you had to do to come come to a place where you feel that you've you've moved walked forward from your history 
Uh, well, I have a background history of uh, incest and domestic violence uh, and I also had a narcissistic boyfriend at one stage and my whole life has been about around trying to forgive, um, especially the incest thing because it was an unforgivable act Definitely. And, uh, and it went on for quite a while with a cousin of mine. Right. So I think I've spent thousands of dollars, to tell you the truth, yeah. on, <laughs> on actually trying to heal. And I'm healed now and not because I spent any money but because I suddenly found out that I had been holding this, I had been holding myself in the victim role for 62 years. And when I forgave myself for being a victim, everything disappeared. Everything I didn't need to forgive anymore, that was it. I forgave myself. and Which Which I actually think is the hardest part. Is, is because there's a lot of misconceptions, you know, all sort of wound up in what you're beating yourself up for in the first place and that victim mentality, it's ingrained, you know, like because, you know, you have been victimised mm. so, you know, there's a truth to it. So it is, it is one of those things that's extremely hard to resolve. Yes. Yes. And I think uh, once you're addicted to pain, which I was, uh, and mm-hmm. I think everybody is until we stop, stop it. Um, yeah. Once you're addicted to pain, you look for pain in everything and that's why I ended up in a domestic violence relationship and it's, I think it's why when you rescue someone, rescue as in <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that, but <laughs> rescue when you rescue or try to rescue someone out of domestic violence, uh, if they're addicted to pain, they're just going to go and create it again, bigger and worse the next time. So, we, so could we gravitate to what's familiar, and we don't even realise we, we're doing that on a subconscious level too. And and the other thing I I understand from working with a lot of victims is the boundary level has changed because there's a history of being victimised. Someone who hasn't been abused considers as inappropriate is very different to the the scaling system that an abuse victim has because all those boundaries have been smashed and they don't know where to reset them so if something's familiar and if you're scared of the unknown it kind of stands to reason that a lot of people will gravitate back into have have more tolerance to to withstand what they're that kind of abusive relationship and not that they actually mean to it's just this sort of subconscious move into it and feeding that pain addiction like you said Mm. yeah it's sad isn't it there's there's something more to that too though because I was deeply spiritual from the age of four I've been uh, blessed in this lifetime to have all all the clairs uh, there's nine clairs, so clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, you know, I can smell, taste, everything, you know, uh, and I can touch things and tell you mean things about yourself. Um, for me, because I was born with those gift, that gifting, I thought I was under the illusion that if I loved the person enough, they would change. And, of course, I think that's a story of most victims Definitely. Uh, that are caught in a, a domestic violence relationship. And, and to tell you the truth, my I would still be with my second husband who was who was violent to me if he hadn't been an alcoholic. 
because we had the best relationship ever when he wasn't drunk. But when he was drunk, he thought he had to control me. When he wasn't drunk, he loved my freedom and my my sense of uh, aliveness. And so, but you know, he was an intelligent man. We had the best conversations. We travelled. We sailed together. And you know, the ingredients for a relationship was really a good relationship was really there. But unfortunately. His drinking habits were his demon, and uh, and the demon won. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's confusing if you're living in that situation because you have got someone that is, you know, for want of a better way of putting it, ticking all the boxes, and you and and you love dearly, and then but you can't can't it gets to the stage where you can't stand the demon that's with them as well. Mm. Yeah, and and I think I I think I. Um, I ended up in the end uh, hating his behaviour uh, 80% in the relationship and 20% still loved him. Yeah. You know, and, um, yeah, so I think uh, holding myself as someone's victim was very much part of the pain body. And when I read Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, Chapter 5, um, I, I absolutely got it, you know, and, and what I got was that we have a DNA pain body as well as our own personal pain body. So that pain body is passed down through generations and my ancestors came out on, on the last fleet um, and uh, his name is Justice Hudson and he was a blacksmith. He was 18 years old when he met and married Ellen and because they were um, both in service at the time and he didn't have money to buy a house, they decided to stay in service and he would visit her at night. And she, unfortunately, was uh, she was uh, working for a spinster who hated the fact that her maid had gotten married and she hadn't. Mm. So she actually, and this is in the court, this is in the court records in England, she actually bribed her neighbour to lie for her in court um with a, a brand new set of sheets um uh, which got justice hudson sent to australia for uh 22 years um for supposedly stealing the silver whereas in actual fact he was just coming to visit his night wife that night yeah right and uh, so written in my dna is struggle and survival because he had 22 years on the paramedic chain gang and uh never being able to get over relationships so uh, Justice, his wife was named Ellen and he never saw her again but after his sentence was complete he met and married another Ellen and called his daughter Ellen so you can see he never got over the relationship. No, he never got over Ellen. And, and how much do you think that contributed? So you're saying you think that contributed to your pain body? Absolutely, yeah, because it pushes my buttons when I can't get over a relationship, you know, like I'll hang on to things as if people should have died but they didn't, you know, <laughs> so there's a lot of grief there. And, uh, and you know, when my first part of my life when I was so involved with the pain body uh, from the incest was uh, unless I was struggling and surviving, I what didn't feel right. Like if I wasn't, if I'd been happy for more than two days, I had to do something deliberately to create pain so I would either cause a fight with my partner or, or someone in my family or I would take offence at somebody's look on their face or a tone of voice and if I couldn't get pain from there I would root around in the past yeah. and try and dig up an old story that would give me the pain that I needed to survive because 
I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know how to be without this pain. Well, right. and it's and it's really interesting because a lot of the clientele that I have, they talk about even laying in bed at night time and then, you know, going back through the, the filing cabinet in their head and finding that, you know, really sad, disappointing, heartbreaking moment and then they're laying there ruminating about it and reliving all those emotions, mm-hmm. not realising that they're feeding that addiction to pain and causing you know, more struggle and and barriers to actually feeling free from it. You Mm. know, like I always say, you know, we've got to try and walk forward, but you don't forget what's behind you, you know, so you can learn from your history, but it's still about looking forward and and walking towards where you want to go. But a lot of people don't realise that healing is what they're looking for either. Mm. Well, well, for me, it's uh, what I, how I healed my pain body was um, kinesiology, you just flick your fingers like you're flicking off water. So you flick that and say, stop it. No, I'm not doing that. What am I doing? And then you might be just having a cup of tea. So you pick your cup of tea up, you watch your your hand, pick the cup of tea up, you taste the the actual tea. Because I can drink a cup of tea and not even know I've drunk it, you know. Yeah. Totally unconscious. But you come back to this moment of now where what's happening now, you might be driving, so you focus totally on your driving. I can get from here to Newcastle in my thoughts without even noticing where I'm driving and I still get there. I don't know how I got there, but I don't remember any of the trip. So you come back to that moment of now where you're really, really consciously aware of it. And that stops you from being in your pain body. So stop, flick your fingers. Nope, not doing that. What am I doing? Oh, I'm having a cup of tea. Oh, I'm driving. Oh, I'm washing up. And then you just give that total focus. Yeah, I call that being present. You know what I mean? Where you you actually, um, I always say to people, if you're starting to stress or you're going off into, you know, into the the past pains and all the rest of it, is like look where your feet are. I, I'm, you know, I'm standing here or I'm sitting here and start working your way back to knowing, right, this is my present moment, which is what you're saying. And, you know, sa- same thing, just different method. I do mm. think that you need to to really heal. You need to understand what it is you are healing. You know, like we can put a blanket comment on it like it's a victim, victimhood and all the rest of it, but it's sort of like you've got to understand your variety of that. Otherwise, you know, you'll be tempted to suppress it and just restore it somewhere else and then try and white-knuckle yourself to control, to hold yourself to a different position. But if you if you get in there and really do the work of understanding what your addiction to pain is, what your abuse has left you with, and to debunk some of the misconceptions that always come with, you know, abuse victims, victims is that you know like if you've been abused as a child your perception of it there's some most of the time you find people believe that they somehow deserved it or, which is never true um you know all those kind of things if you can really get your head around debunking those and pulling it to a truth that you understand I think you really can be very present mm. yeah. yeah for me um I teach non-violent communication and I also teach a course of love and what I've understood now is that there's only love or fear. Mm-hmm. And anything that's based on fear is illusion. So we are programmed and patterned right from the day go to learn. 
And that learning process starts in the womb even, you know. And then when you come out into the world, the first thing you have to do is learn to drink, you know. You mm-hmm. have to suck. You have to learn to suck. And, uh, and you know, then you're told and shown how to walk and we're never given the opportunity to learn by ourselves. We, we, everything is programmed into us and, and patterned into us and, and it's like somebody who's completely dysfunctional, and I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who's functional. No. That <laughs> <laughs> is telling me how to live my life and programming me to do it this way or else, you know. Yeah. And, and so we get we get programmed into a completely dysfunctional society and most of it is illusion. And, and so for me, any learning that's based on fear is an illusion. So my job is to get rid of the programs and patterns and come back to love. You know? Yeah, mm. yeah, that, that's a, yeah. It's it, what is it? Fear city or love town? Mm. You know, pick 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 your direction, sort of thing. It's it's interesting though. It's, and do you find that people really struggle to let go of that pain? They don't even know they've got a pain body most of the time. But when you when you when they actually realise that, you know, that's what they've been doing all this time when I say, you know, like I used to hunt for a person's tone of voice or a look on their face, you know. Like I had a young girl walk past my driveway yesterday and uh, she has a disability and, and somebody came up to her at where she works and said, what are you going to be when you grow up? And, and she said, well, I'm 28 years old. And uh, and she said, do you think that's a bit offensive to me, you know, she wanting me to confirm that she was offended, you know, <laughs> and uh, I don't take offence anymore. So <laughs> it was hard to know what to say, you know, but, um, but that was her pain body looking for justification uh, yeah. to be upset, to be offended, you know, and that's what we do. And, um, yeah, so once you get out of the the hamster cage where we roll round and round and round in the stories of everything trying to feed our pain bodies once you get out of that and you don't do that anymore it's such a relief and then that's when I discovered that love is easy pain is hard fear is hard you know it's a hard road and it's really hard on the body on the physical body because the Every cell in your body is 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 receiving all these programs that you're putting in there, and every time you say, "Oh, I'm feel I'm sick of that," immediately your body responds with sickness. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I follow that, and, and it's and it's interesting because I teach self reflective courses, and one of the things is that you know people don't realize you are making a choice. You might not realize that you're making a choice to align with your fear and your pain but you're making a choice. So I always say if you can get to that that place where you realise, you know, you have that awareness that this is the moment that you're making the choice and intercept it with your wisdom or, you know, different options, then you've got a, a starting point. Mm. So, you know, because when we're, when we're doing things unconsciously, it's really hard to, to resolve them if, like you said, half the time we don't even know we've got a pain body. Mm. You need information and you need to understand yourself better. You know, your your life history has brought you to a place where you understand yourself better and you're now making a lot of decisions that suit the person of, of who you naturally are that was a bit lost to you when you were trying to find your sense of self. Mm. 
And my my natural state and yours and everybody else's is is happiness, peace, and freedom. Yeah. And we cover it with these stories that we've learned to live in. And and that that for me, letting go of all the stories. And you know, I had I had um this practice where I wouldn't tell negative stories anymore, you know, because they're gone, they're past, they're not here. And every time I told the story, I would bring the energy of that back into this moment where it doesn't belong. I know you you meet some people and you know that they are telling the same story to every new person they meet, mm. the, the sad story of their life, mm-hmm. and, it, and it is the hamster wheel. I call it the merry-go-round um, hamster wheel, same thing. And and, it, and I th- I always find that very sad because that stops someone developing an understanding of themselves. Mm. So, and do you think living in the different tribes helped you do that? Do you think that was a major part of how you discovered and understood yourself better? I had a lot of different experiences and, and quite magical experiences living in the tribes because their ancestry line uh, comes to the ceremonies as orb lights. And so um, I think for me the wonderment of the demonstration of spirit was amazing but living in nature the way I did so closely to nature and working with nature and bringing nature into everything I did, including the ceremonies, nature for me vibrates at the fifth dimension. We are Mm -hmm. vibrating at the third dimension hertz-wise. So if you are vibrating uh, below 200, you will be experiencing all the negative emotions of shame, blame, guilt, um, revenge, anger, jealousy, all those ones vibrate under 200 hertz. And between 200 and 1,000 is moving into the love energy and it's the fifth dimension. So third dimension is below 200, fifth dimension is above. So you've got gratitude, kindness, gentleness, stillness, you know, all the peacefulness, all, all the qualities of God are within the, those 200 to 1,000 hertz Um the highest being walking the earth, teaching people to love, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the earth and nature itself vibrates at the fifth dimension. So when you are willing to spend time in nature, she can heal you. You know, she, uh, just just being with the energy of the trees heals you. Being with the twinkles on the water heals you, you know. A lot of times when you're vibrating below those and you're stuck in the anger or you're stuck in the, the jealousy or, or in the, you don't want to spend time in nature because nature's going to heal you. So you, your pain body is stopping you. Your egoic mind is stopping you from, from accessing that healing. And, uh, you know, it's the same with healers. Like I'm an angelic healer, a psychic healer. I work with angels physically and I run retreats where I introduce people to their angels and they physically manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm working with a team from the fifth dimension and um, when people come for a healing, it's the angels that actually speak to them in their own language and then it's interpreted into English. And so... In order for me to get a client uh, into a position where they can receive that, I have to use a Tibetan bell to raise their frequency high enough for them to receive the information. But there are people out there who want to heal, 
And this is very similar to what happens in the Native American Indian tribe. If you've got a problem in the Native American Indian tribe, you can take that problem to the grandmother council three times and each time they will give you advice. And if after the third time you don't take the advice or you don't deal with the problem, you are cast out of the tribe. And the reason being is because you become an infection within the tribe, running from person to person, trying to get the support for your side of the story, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that so makes sense. Yeah. Open wound, you know, and, and it's the same with healers. Like people say they want to be healed, but they won't go to a healer. They won't take the action to make the choice because they're stuck in that hamster wheel pain body thing. And uh, it doesn't matter how many times you uh, try and assist them, they can't hear you. Yeah, I agree. I, I think until you are ready, mm-hmm. then it's because what you hear is blah, 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 blah. And then what they do is they pick one or two words that they don't fully understand and throw their judgment on it. Mm. And, and then it's so then they can excuse themselves from not even trusting their own curiosity to go in there and have a look. So, And I always say a lot of the time actually dealing with the issue is the easy part. Mm. It's getting all the protective mechanisms out of the way to see what the issue is that is the hard work. So once you get past all your, you know, your um, self-sabotaging, distractions, um, denials, resistance to being just honest with yourself, once you're there, it's it's a little bit like um, if you get good information, you know. If I if I was at the grandmother's tri- um, council and they said, you know, I was in that space and they gave me really good information, you'd have those massive aha moments, and the healing happens. Mm-hmm. But if you are not ready, it's like you're just lo- you're picking, you're looking to disprove everything that may actually help you, which is mm-hmm. part of the sabotage. Mm-hmm. So. But it is, it, is a, it is an interesting process and there's no straight line for whatever issue it is that you're trying to heal. There's no straight line and what works for one might not work for another, but it is that intent of wanting to, to be healed or to understand yourself that is going to propel you forward. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think for me there was a couple of things that I'd like to mention that really assisted me in my journey uh, progression was to, first of all, make a list, draw a line down the page, title uh, self-hate, title on the other side self-love. And I put all the things that I was doing in my life that looked like self-hate, like self-depreciation, you know, lack of um, nourishment. So on the other side, I put self-love, so self, self-caring, self self-kindness, self-nourishment, uh, self-nurturing, uh, self-comfort, and I'd find the opposite to that and put it on the other side. So every time I noticed that I was doing the thing on the self-hate side, I would, I would practice the self-love side. So today I'm going to be kind to myself. So I do everything that is kind to me. And that built my my self-esteem back up after I had been a a victim of domestic violence because my self-esteem had gone really low. Oh, absolutely. That's how it works. Yeah. And so so I built myself up by practising 
one of the self-love things every day and sometimes I had to practice it for a week or a month before I'd get it right you know unconditional love you know people say oh you must love unconditionally but who tells you how to do that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I found out. Here's the secret. Okay, you ready? Because we 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 because we, we create unconditional love means no matter it doesn't not mean this people, but it's like you have this misconception that okay, I have to love you no matter what you do to me. I'm just going to say I you know stay in this loving mode, mm. and all of a sudden you realize oh I'm the doormat. I've just been manipulated and all the rest of it. So there's a whole misconception around what unconditional love is. Mm. I, when those I like what you've said there because I use a technique with my clients is I call them the core essences. So if I look at your soul. The purity of your soul will have things like kindness, compassion, you know, all those things that you mentioned. So I call them the core essences. And I have an exercise where I get people to just pick one or two off this list and just use that two or three times that day. So it might be kindness. And whether it's kind to you, kind to the dog, kind to somebody else, but just see it so that you can build an understanding of what it actually is and what it feels like. Hmm. Because it's a lot nicer to feel when you're in that self-care mode than when you're in your, your self-hatred. Mm. So, and, I, and I see those kind of things, what they do is, is they call your intent, you know, like you, you're giving yourself something practical that you can say I'm calling my intent mm. and, and then giving myself. Because I, I always say you never, you never get rid of anything. You know, it's not like you just let it go. You trade it out, you know, so you might trade out despair for self-compassion. And then once you've got the self-compassion, then the despair is not as strong. Mm. It hasn't got the the loophole in. Yeah. So those kind of exercises are brilliant, I think. Mm. And and you can you've all got your own signals. Like I've got a signal that shows me that I'm not caring about myself, and I won't clean my teeth if I don't care about myself. Right. Yeah. Right. Some people stay in their pajamas all day. Who knows? Some yes. people make their beds. They're all signals. Yeah, right? that's true. Um, so, so uh, how to love con- unconditionally is a simple technique and all you have to do is say, I'll only love you if you, okay? So every time you, you have that happening in your life, I'll only love you if you take the garbage out, I'll only love you if you mow the lawn, I'll only love you if you fix my, you know, whatever's broken, I'll only love you if, if you love me, I'll only love you. And, you know, I used to, when I was in my pain body, I'd need people to tell me, oh, you know, I'd be saying, do you love me? I need to hear it. You know, I need to hear it. And I was desperate to hear it. And I think I went from relationship to relationship uh, to get the next hug, you know, yeah, to get the next expression of love because I came from parents who had no idea how to love me. And so, um, so for me, it's like whenever I hear that um, I'll only love you if you express love to me, I'll only love you if you are a good provider. I'll only love you if, you know, and then I put it on to me. I'll only love me if I'm a good provider. I'll only love me if I'm able to express my love to you in a, in a healthy way. You know, I'll only love me if I clean my teeth in the morning, you know, and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, that, and that's how it's such a simple method. Uh, as soon as you get that phrase happening and, and you can see it, you can see it, okay, I'm not loving myself because uh, I'm only going to love me if I do that, you know, and then you can stop that. 
and just come back to that list of self-care, self-kindness, self-nurturing, because really we are these beautiful um, formless beings living Mm. in a vehicle and that formless being is an expression of love or God, whatever you like. You don't need to use the word God, divinity, guidance of divinity or uh, G-O-D, guidance of divinity or or the collective consciousness. It's, it's just this formless being that is in everything. And it's the same formless being that is in the tree that then becomes a table so that the table has this formless being in it, you know, which we're able to communicate with. And that's why we get so attached to our um, our comfortable bed or, or our, our table. I could never get rid of my table or whatever because we're having a relationship with the energy, the formless energy that is within that and it is part of us, you know. Yeah, that's, there's definitely, especially when you do see it, some beautiful woodwork, you can feel the wood. You can feel, and then you can feel the craftsman as well. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a combination, which is a beautiful mm. relationship. For, for you, if we were going to ask you the question, what does humanity need to know and understand that will help it evolve? What would be your question, answer to that? No, I think I just answered it. Just being the formless being rather than being, doing, having, labelling, you know, like, we're so into labeling everything so we can have an opinion or a judgment about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas if you truly embrace the fact that you are completely this formless being having an experience in this vehicle called the body, which we have to look after, otherwise it doesn't keep us here. Yeah. Um, this is a precious moment. This, this, this lifetime is just a moment and it's, it's so precious and if we don't look after our physical body, we can't have this experience of evolution because every single thing that we learn is not just learnt for us, it's learnt for the collective consciousness and that collective consciousness is inside this being so it's the evolution of collective consciousness. So by really embracing the fact that you are a formless being and that you are this one energy that's in everything, you can let go of identification. I'm a psychic healer. I'm a writer. I'm I'm a poet, you know. Those are things that you do to play with. You play with that on the earth plane. That's yeah. just a game. Every morning I get up, and I dress for the game, I guess dress for the for the play. And I'll ring my boss who I work for on Thursdays and I'll say, I'm coming to work in your cubby house today. What are we playing? <laughs> and she'll tell me, oh, we might be doing some gardening today. So I'll dress for my gardening game, you know, I'll dress to be a gardener. How exciting is that? You know, and then I go and talk to the plants. Um, so, you know, if we can truly make light of the world in, and let go of all this labelling and, and this is who I am and this is what I do and this is, you know, that's the first thing people say to you is what do you do? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and what yeah. if I said, well, I'm just a formless being experiencing life and form through the evolution of mankind? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, saying? Really, really? <laughs> I'm a soul in a, a physical body trying to work it all out. <laughs> It would change it a bit, wouldn't it? Oh, See, yeah. I, when I look at people, I look at souls. So if I look at people, you get 
or what you're talking about. But when you recognise the soul, also remind yourself of the it's a journey, you know, and and I know that's a cliche word, but it's a journey and we're all sort of on our own little paths to see, you know, where we end up, what we can learn, what we can evolve, what we create. Some of us are creating bigger pain bodies and some of us are trying to resolve the pain bodies we've got. And one of the things that I say to people is to everything that is along the same lines as what you're saying is when you resolve something, you take, say, say it's jealousy or resentment, you take that energy out of the collective and you can replace it with whether it's self-compassion. So you become actually a more conscious supplier to the, the, the collective consciousness, mm. which then helps the next person that's coming along because there's a little bit less pushback and less negativity around them, mm. you know, just because you, you've, you've managed to resolve your own stuff. Mm. It's definitely important to do. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I find you fascinating. I would have um, I would have enjoyed your um, Indian experience and living with the tribes and that would have been definitely fun and a way of um, exploring the world differently. Mm. So, mm. Can I ask you a quick question? Can you give me a number? It's just a little game, a bit of play that we do, a number between 1 and 430 out of the Your Insight and Awareness book. Okay, well, um, I like the page 17. Right, 17. And, and could, I, could I have paragraph 5 and 6? You certainly can. All right, so I'm just going to read this out. Okay, I will read it out again for you if you need to, okay? Mm-hmm. So you are an expression of all the different aspects of your soul. You just have to trust yourself to acknowledge the truth you feel and then honestly explore truth. You are experiencing all your soul requires to explore the opportunity for your own resolution and evolution. Whenever you try to fix your unresolved emotions, you're actually exposing what you want resolution of. Your honesty and your trust in the uniqueness of your experiences will allow you to understand what you are exposing to yourself. Your desire for control stifles your freedom to explore the truth of your own unresolved emotions and the truth of your significance, uniqueness, independence and individuality as a soul. Resolution is the choice to be truthfully honest, which at times is easier to say than do. However, Your willingness to explore truth will allow you the freedom to experience your truthfulness exposing you to what you resonate with. That's a a lot to get your head around. (laughs) It is indeed. However, um, I found the part that said fixing your your emotions exposes Trying to fix your emotions exposes what I came here to work on. Uh, Could you just read that little bit again? Yeah, I can. Whenever you are trying to fix your unresolved emotions, you are actually exposing what you want resolution of. Because it's an ongoing journey. Like there's never a completion point. Do you know what I mean? You'll always find something that needs resolving 
addressing. But if I think what happens is that what we do is we try to work out how to fix ourselves and how to tell ourselves we're fixed, done, job done, complete. And that probably causes to ignore some things at times, I suppose. Whereas if I suppose when we look at it from here's an opportunity and this is what my soul wants to do, we participate in the, the resolution process. I'm just finding it fascinating because it's been a real evolution for me to move from trying to fix others. Okay, yeah. You know, always trying to fix others and that is a really good place to go when you don't want to fix yourself. Yeah, that's a so, very good point. <laughs> so so for me it's uh, and also you know, I'm sh I've shifted in the last year from coming from my mind with everything that I do and trying to learn, trying to understand. And for me, it's like I really need to unlearn now, Lorraine. I really need to unlearn from all these dysfunctional um, learnings that I was taught right from birth from dysfunctional society, dysfunctional families. And one of those things that I learned was that I have to fix things. Yes. And I don't. I don't have to fix things. What I have to do is just feel into. Um, so I kind of ignore my mind now that wants to learn and work everything out and make things matter. And I'm moving into more allowing myself to really feel to the depth of what's presenting rather than rather than trying to change it or sweep it under or understand it just feel it you know from my heart and that's working for me at the moment because it is giving me that freedom to explore myself and my emotions whereas before I was always trying to avoid them yeah I, and I think I think the reality is, is that when we are willing to understand ourselves, that actually gives us permission to feel and to be present and then to acknowledge what we are feeling and then giving out, then give ourselves options. When, when we're trying to fix it, every time we identify something, we class as, we judge as wrong or in my way or a problem then the panic starts, I haven't healed this, I haven't done this, i got, you know, this is still a problem. Whereas, you know, for me, it's like when you come at it from I'm prepared to understand myself, I'm prepared to take responsibility for myself. So that allows me to be present and not every thought needs chasing. Yeah. And I think that identification for me is super important because I'm trained to identify everything according to judgment. Yes, and I'm trying not to have opinions and judgments and perceptions about anything. I'm just trying to be curious and present with and and just feeling what is presenting and what is here for me and what's coming up for me rather than being any way concerned about what's happening for the other person. Well, I think the there's a there's a little there's a little line and it sounds this is going to sound like I'm playing with words. But judgment ends up having a negative overtone. You know, like we're using it through that filter of am I superior, am I inferior, you know, is this going to get me what I want, is it not? You know, so there's there's a there's a duality in our judgment. Awareness is an acceptance of 
of our, of what we are aware of. You know, we can't always say that we're aware of all of reality or even all of ourselves at any given present moment. But what I am aware of, I'll acknowledge. And that if we can come at that without negative self-judgment, then you've actually got an opportunity to create options, you know, give yourself options instead of just jumping on the roller coaster ride and and going for it. And, and when you do find yourself on the roller coaster, someone said to me the other day, you back on that roller coaster, which was using my own words against me, um, which I thought was really funny, but I was, you know, like I actually was. And I was like, okay, now's the time to have a choice. Do you want to do this or do you want to alter what you're doing so you can create a new path? Otherwise you'll go back to the the indoctrinated path that you've got which you can indoctrinate yourself to these paths. So you can break them down and then just go. And then I was like, no, I don't want to play with that energy. I don't want to be sitting in there and didn't put a judgment or a blame on it. Just went, no, game over and move on. But you can do that when you understand yourself. When you don't, when you're first starting, that is very difficult to do because your emotions are, as you would know, they can come in there and they can take over. Mm, and they're not meant to be on the throne in your life. Yeah, that's a good statement. Not meant to be on the throne in your life. I like that. Yeah, because yeah, well, that's what we do. For mm. me, they're just a signal box to stop and have a look at what's going on, you know, on a, in a deeper way from the heart rather than the head. Yeah. You know, and we're so trained to come from our head in everything to find meaning in and if we can feel into, if we can really give ourselves permission to use our emotions properly and, and feel into things and let it lead us into our heart and our determination rather than uh, making decisions with our mind about what we're going to do about it because our mind is hell-bent on, on keeping us separate and separate from our authentic, truthful selves, our, the expression of the aspects of our soul, as you, as you mentioned in your reading. Yeah. Uh, and so the the heart and the heart is the only thing that can lead us to that expression. Well, that's right, because a lot of the time we're just making decisions from our history, so we can't we can't you know move forward into something new if we're we're using our history as a decision making tool. We we you know we've got to be aware of our history because there's a lot of learning that we extract from it, but it shouldn't be the governing body <laughs> that's it that's exactly it and you know we're really here for self-mastery you yeah. know so um and the really interesting part of this for me is that page five uh sorry uh verse five and six adds up to 11 which is self-mastery oh there you go there you go well on that note i'm going to leave it that i want to thank you for coming in and talking to me today it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you, Lorraine. I've really enjoyed it too. And, th and congratulations on what you're doing and putting this out there for the world. It's, uh, it's, it's really inspirational. Well, do you know what? I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> it is. I actually am really enjoying meeting all these different people and, and um, seeing what everyone's up to. Definitely a lot of fun for my end. Beautiful. Beautiful.